0: This show is brought to you by listeners and viewers like you, EvanX.com Tesla Accessories, our TeslaOwnersOnline.com community, and our Patreon supporters at Patreon.com slash TeslaOwnersOnline. Oh, the 2021 test calendar. Very nice. Care to show us a little preview, Eric? Yes. So, uh, are we recording?
1: Yeah. Cool. All right. So I wanted to uh, give a shout out tonight. Um, I received the 2021 test calendar. Uh, so we're, we're, I want to mention this for the show. The most important thing about this calendar uh, is that it does raise funds uh, for the Rails to Trails Conservatory. The Rails to Trails Conservatory, uh, what they do is they take old rail lines and they convert them into trails for cyclists, for runners, for joggers, walkers, that sort of thing. So it's a very big cause. Uh, so every every calendar you buy supports that cause. So. The cool thing is, on the back of the calendar, they have all these awesome advertisers. Our friend Ian is right here, dead center. Evolveware (laughs) is a sponsor, but we also have several sponsors in here. But the cool thing about this calendar uh, is when you open it up, there's great photography that is submitted by Tesla owners around there's all kinds of photos in here really high quality imaging and then the calendar the page. uh mm-hmm. features all kinds of crucial dates both major holidays and events in tesla's history oh, nice. uh, based on the year and the critical event of that day so for example coming up in january of next year uh january 4th of 2021 in 2017 tesla announced the 2170 cell mass production line so uh, it's really cool, all kinds of great photos. Uh, get your calendar. Like, again, beautiful shots like this of the Model Y. Look oh, at this. Yes. So, uh, yes, yeah, so you can find this online. Get yourself. It's a, it's a great stocking stuffer right now. Again, proceeds help to benefit the Rails to Trails Conservatory. Get your edition now. The 2021 test calendar available now. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> great way to start the show. <laughs> How about that?
0: Uh, I hope everybody is doing well. I had a good uh, Thanksgiving. No events.
1: No events, mast, <laughs> definitely for Thanksgiving. Lots of turkey.
2: Not me. How about you, Sean? <laughs> I was uh, kidless and so I had the house to myself Ooh. and Ooh. I I talked to family by FaceTime in the morning and I took a 4-hour nap in the afternoon and <laughs> couldn't have been better. <laughs>
0: That voice you hear is Sean Mitchell. He has a YouTube channel called All Things EV. He's a good friend of ours, and I thought I'd have him on the show tonight because we want to have a discussion about eh, the state of the EV business competition with Tesla and stuff. So I thought I'd bring him on. He has a hard cutoff time of about an hour, so we're going to try and get through this as quickly as we can. Um, so having said that, let's just get in. Oh, we're, we're not going to do too much Tesla news other than the fact that the stock is doing great. Ball's good. Everything is awesome. Um, other than that we'll have some more news uh, next week but anyways so I thought I'd take some time and ask uh, Sean some questions because he's pretty well versed in things other than just Tesla Uh, namely he's uh, he spent some time with the guys at Rivian so I think we maybe we should begin there Um, we're curious to see what your position is on Rivian I have my own uh, thoughts and 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 um, uh, opinions about the guys I, I like the fact that in a lot of ways, they're taking a little bit more of a traditional car maker's approach to developing their cars rather than rush them to market and fix problems later. Um, we saw quite a bit of really interesting tidbits about their cars uh, during the uh, wonderful Apple produced series of. Um, Ian. Long way up. Thank you. <laughs> I, I drew a blank yeah. there for a second. Uh, <laughs> where, I mean, it, it, it was. You know, the motorcycles were made by Harley Davidson's, but the support trucks were two of the Rivian prototypes, you know, the first serial number. And they were first two. Yeah. And it was really interesting because we found out quite a bit of stuff. I mean, they kinda glossed over some of the issues they might have had with the cars, but as prototypes, they did phenomenally well. So um, Sean, you've you visited uh, the guys at Rivian. You've talked to RJ Scaridge. um What's what's your thought about the company and where they're going? I mean, we do have some user submitted questions. We'll get to those maybe a little bit later as we go. So um, the floor is yours, Sean. Tell us tell us what you think about yeah. Rivian.
2: Yeah. First, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it, and and, and it's good to good to see familiar faces. Um, Rivian. I've, I've always been very encouraged by them. You know, my first introduction to them, they reached out to me before they had ever revealed their vehicles, before the public had ever seen them. They thought that the Tesla owner audience here in Colorado was a a, a great sort of test, test base for getting feedback on how we Coloradans use our electric vehicles in the mountains. So they were sort of pulling information together and trying to validate what they thought. People use their electric vehicles for in the outdoors and we it was me and I think it was maybe one or two other owners Tesla owners a part of the the, the Tesla owners club here in, in Denver that were were just providing feedback on where we felt like Tesla's were limited where where the limits were sort of um, reached in terms of capabilities and where we felt comfortable taking our Tesla's being sort of a high gloss, high finish, very refined vehicle, not really meant to get dirty, but meant to just look pristine and clean and elegant. And, uh, and so that was, I'm trying to think of what year that was. So now it's been two years since they revealed their vehicles. So it was probably a year before that. Uh, so 2017. And then I got a chance to go to their headquarters the following year see their vehicles they had they had um they didn't have the i think that they just had the clay models the full-size clay models at that time and i've i've had a chance to to get to know many of them um both both uh you know executive level as well as uh, those that are working below that i think they're a fantastic group they really have a lot of heart and passion behind the vehicles they've got a they understand who their core audience is, right? They're targeting the the outdoor crowd. They they want to track the the people who would buy a a jeep or or um, uh, you know maybe maybe something a little bit more rugged than that that where they're where they're taking it um, uh, to do to do off roading or to you know spend multiple days uh, in in the wilderness. So. Um, I am very encouraged by what they're doing. You know, they just released their, their pricing. And I thought that, uh, you know, for the, the price for what you get, maybe, maybe was a little bit disappointing. Um, but if, if, if you're reaching an audience that maybe has not been introduced into electric vehicles, maybe they don't care for Tesla for one reason or another, they don't know much about Tesla. They're going from a, a gas vehicle to an electric vehicle and all they've had is, is a Ford or a Jeep. Um, you know, they may not be as particular about how much it costs versus what the range is. I do wish that their vehicles were a little bit less expensive uh, to try and to try and attract more more of a crowd, but it seems like that's that's everyone's predicament at the moment. Um, so. Uh, you know uh, i'm i'm mostly optimistic about the company and mostly optimistic about what what they're accomplishing they certainly are well funded which will bode well for for them in the near term as well as the long term
0: yeah i tend to agree with that i um I had a look at their uh, configurator there just last week. I was poking around. Boy, I, they got, they got some really nice stuff happening. Um, as far as pricing, yeah, if you get into the high end, yeah, you're getting into some big numbers and stuff. But uh, even the, the base configuration that I was looking at was pretty much what I was what I had spent on my Model X. So I thought, you know, for, for a vehicle like that, I don't think it's that far off. I mean, yeah, you know, the 800-pound Gorilla's coming there with the Cybertruck. That's a different thing altogether. But I think Rivian was actually really smart to... To actually focus on on the market that's emerging, which is, you know, the pickup truck and the activity vehicle sector, because up until recently, it's only been, you know, basically sedans and stuff. So I think they've got a good market. However, um, they, they've been delayed, what, about six months? They were originally supposed to be mm-hmm. beginning of next year. So it's pushed to about the middle of next year. Pandemic. Correct. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, it's going to start heating up next year. You know, we got got uh, Cybertruck coming, the F-150 electric version. There's the Hummer coming. Uh, I mean who knows what else GM's got up their sleeve as far as other cars are coming so uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting sector as far as that's coming um, it, it, we did have one question I thought I would just throw at you here someone had asked us um, do you know what Rivian's plans are for charging
2: infrastructure yeah I know a little bit about that they, they're going to use uh, existing charging infrastructures so non-Tesla charging infrastructures but you'll You'll probably see some news at some point here soon, where Rivian will be installing Rivian branded charging stations, mostly to address the more of the the extreme or wilderness areas where people they you know uh, uh, parks De- um, where they want people to go destination yeah, level two stuff. I, I I don't know what the what the charging speed will be, but they're definitely thinking in that and i wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they start to build out a charging network maybe it maybe it's fast charging but build a charging network where you wouldn't typically see fast chargers so for example electrify america uh electrify canada tesla charging network are all along major highways where you would do sort of road tripping but rivian wants you to get out into the outdoors so I could see them do building out a charging infrastructure where it's much more remote, where you might see trails or, you know, um, uh, outdoor activities, uh, whitewater rafting. You know, it's it's they, they want to think in that direction. So I think we'll probably hear some stuff like that at some point soon, to the extent of what they'll where they'll take it or how, you know what what sort of volume they'll they'll do. I wouldn't be surprised if if they start to focus on you know so if Tesla's going left, Rivian's probably going to go right and build out more of a more of a a, a, a rural uh, network for their vehicles.
0: Well, we do know that if you want to drive down to South America, they've got a lot of spots you can use. <laughs> yes. Uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting. Yeah, and, and, a lot of people don't appreciate East that. that. Oh, oh, we. Ian got frozen. Yeah, I was just going to
3: say, a lot of people I don't think realized, if you watched Long Way Up, did I? Oh, okay. But on Long Way Up, it was Rivian that was, I think, responsible for doing a lot of the uh, the charger installation along that route all through South America. They, they really, really and um, went to a great degree to involve themselves in that project, not just providing the vehicles, but actually setting up all that charging infrastructure. So to Sean's point, you can see that's kind of like a little future glimpse of what they're going to be doing. Imagine driving around in the desert out there, like in the Atacama Desert, and there's literally nothing for like 100 miles and oop, there's a little charging station. I mean, how <laughs> awesome would that be, you know, to see that in like national parks and like out in you know, in the, in the deserts and forests and so on. I think it's so cool. I mean, I hope that's the direction they go. It, it'll be such a big boon I mean, because I think for most people in that, uh, in that segment, that would be their, their concern. Even for me, you know, who's already drank the Kool Aid, I'd be kind of like, hmm, how far do I have to go before I get to civilization again? I how, they'll facilitate it's a that great way
2: to address it. If there's no electrical grid, where, I mean, because that's, they want people to go into the outdoors. So well, how extreme will they be with that? Will they be using solar and batteries to, to store energy? And, you know, maybe in that case, it would be a level two charge rate.
0: Well, I will mention something, because one of the things I noticed, and, and they didn't really spend a lot of time on it, but there was a situation during the show on Long Way Up where they did a V2V charge. They charged the motorcycles. They they brought out a box, plugged it into the truck, and they were able to charge. I mean, Teslas can't do that. So I thought that was quite interesting. Um, so I think for people that have activity vehicles, maybe electric uh, uh, dirt bikes or an ATV or something like that, that uh, they'll be able to pull from uh, the Rivian battery to be able to charge. I think that's really uh, that's a really cool um, feature of the cars. Uh, They don't talk about it too much, but um, I think there's definitely some possibilities there.
2: Most people have probably seen and heard about their patent that they filed for a digital jerry can. So they've got some interesting and creative ways to extend the range of these vehicles, especially if they're gonna be in in rural and and, in extreme places like that so you know adding extra battery packs to the back of the to the bed of the truck uh, to extend in the range would give them the ability to power some of these other uh, utility vehicles that that uh, one might use
0: mm-hmm. yeah i'm very excited about rivian uh, the more i watch them the more i see they you know they keep their nose to the grindstone they do what they do they don't talk a lot of hoopla and stuff um and i like the fact in a lot of ways that they're operating more like a traditional auto manufacturer. they're taking the time to test the vehicles, to really get them right before they actually start full-scale production. Um, Tesla's a great company and all, but uh, in a lot of ways, sometimes they tend to rush the cars to market and they, you know, I understand that their mentality is to build it as best they can and then get it in production and then fix the problems later. But, you know, long-term for a company, and I think for Rivian, it's really important because, you know, when Tesla first started, um, they had no other products, so they had to make sure the Model S was really, really good out the door. Yeah, they had the Roadster, but that's a side thing. Um, I think Rivian is, is kind of like the same way. They're like Tesla starting all over again. The first product has to be right and they have to get it just perfect. So I, I'm glad that they're taking that approach and, and making sure that the car is going to be um, excellent out the door. If, if it wasn't for the Cybertruck, I'll be honest with you, the Rivian is what I would be looking at. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I I suspect that looking at the, the board of directors that they have and the ties to traditional automotive, I suspect that the build quality of these vehicles will be significantly better I right would, out the gate. I would agree with you. On that. Um, I'm, I'm optimistic about that. And I really do hope that sort of uh, t- Tesla rises with the with with the tide. And you've got some of these other automakers who are shipping out just better built vehicles right off the line with without as many issues. And even still today, you know, I, I hear of of owners uh, in fact, a couple of days ago, I was, I was getting some feedback from an owner who took delivery and just wasn't really that pleased that they had to take the vehicle back um, to get some of these issues fixed directly after taking delivery. So uh, the ultimate goal is to relieve as much of the pressure and stress off of the actual owner. And I hope that Tesla takes some cues from companies that are a little bit more experienced in producing vehicles.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, Eric. Did you have any questions for uh, for Sean on on the Rivian situation?
1: No, this is really great content. I'm just uh, <laughs> honestly like just sitting here listening to this is really riveting. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Um, no, I mean, I I like I like a lot oh. of. what sh- <laughs> God, Come on. Um, no, what I what I do like about what Sean was saying, and and I think his his logic here is great about their their plans for an infrastructure for charging, it makes sense to have it in what I consider remote locations. I know there was a number of different uh, terms we used to describe where they would be, uh, campgrounds, parks, you know, these distant locations, but ideally remote locations in those very rural areas, as Sean pointed out. To me, that makes the most sense because in large part, where Tesla is charging in very populous, dense areas where there's a lot of traffic, thoroughfares, off of highways and the like, Rivian can say, well, we're going to tap into that unique area where maybe you are an electric vehicle. And of course, you know, maybe this is using the J1772 adapters, but at least having remote locations where you can have a charging infrastructure there, even if it's, it is, uh, you know, on a 110 where you're getting some charging because you're camping, you're staying overnight, you're, you know, something to that effect, which a lot of these commuters, uh, you know, these adventurers uh, would tend to do anyway. You know the Cybertruck owners and and, and the like. Um, it would make sense that that would be something they'd set up. So you know it's from somebody who's seen a lot of the renderings and the photos of these Rivians. They're gorgeous. They're they're really just great. And whether or not you have an interest in them or not, it's just good that there's more competitors offering a different option for those who want to get to the EV sector but maybe don't like a specific offering from a certain manufacturer. So you know now you've got more and more evs coming online and they're each going to fit the kind of person who wants to drive them so that's that's a good thing to
0: see i agree the more the merrier uh sean has the have have the headlights on the on the rivian grown on you yet
2: (laughs) no no i mean i i like the the light bar but the what they call the stadium headlights um i haven't i haven't warmed up to them i do think for whatever reason they look better on the suv than they do on the truck i don't know why that is Mm. but the proportions just seem to be a little bit better on the SUV. So, uh-huh. you know, I would I would consider I would consider the SUV uh, at the moment. I think the car, the vehicle that has my attention and will likely be the next purchased, will be the Cybertruck, and that one did take a little while to warm up too. Oh. Um, but but I've I've come around um, <laughs> uh, no, no to, to to many people's uh, uh, surprise. Yeah, no doubt.
1: Can I? I want to ask Sean one question. Um, so we knew we knew uh, a couple of years ago Ford had a large investment. Uh, in Rivian, I think it was what was it a five hundred million dollar investment or something to that effect, um, with Ford basically saying we're kind of washing our hands of that agreement, that partnership. Um, what do you think that means for both Ford and Rivian moving forward?
2: I don't, I, I, I don't know if I don't know to what detail they had an agreement, how much. I, I don't think that they ever said because when they made that announcement, it was a. It was a group of people where they collected funding from so i'm not i'm not entirely sure that that, that deal is dead um I, we haven't heard any news about them selling any of their stake as far as i know the they still Ford still owns a, a stake in the company a non-majority stake that was made clear to me when when i had this conversation uh with rivian so I, I don't. I think it's. I think time will tell in terms of what what will be implemented from Rivian and into, into Ford. Um, what will not? How much? How much of Ford's vehicles will look like look like uh, Rivian or act like Rivian's vehicles? One thing is clear to me, though. It you know you've got these large, multi-billion-dollar companies, in taking interest in in Rivian. There's there's a reason why they're doing that. And my guess is they have done some significant due diligence. And if you have an, an Amazon and a Ford and some of these other larger companies making some, some investments into them, taking a stake in the company, I think that's a really, really good sign. Um, there are other companies, which I think we'll probably talk about where there's just too many red flags. Uh, to really take them seriously and then, you know, make, makes me question some of these other other larger automakers who show interest in, in, in these other companies. But in terms of Ford and Rivian, I, I don't know for certain. This, this is not based on anything that I, I know in terms of um, conversations that I've had. But I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if there's something in the works there that, that uh, maybe they've just tabled for the short term.
0: Last question before we move on. Um, what's your take on RJ?
2: Oh man, he is such a down-to-earth guy. Um, I've talked to him on a couple of occasions now. One of them, one of them, going up the side of a uh, of I a mountain in a, in, the in a ski lift. Yeah, in the gondola. He's a really great <laughs> guy. You know, very approachable. You wouldn't you wouldn't guess if you just met him on the street or re- bumped into him in a grocery store. You'd have no clue that he's as smart as he is. First of all, and that he's heading up a pretty important company and, and leading a lot of electric vehicle technology. And I really appreciate that about him. He's very easy to talk to. He's, he's, he's not, he's not too big for, for his status. Very humble guy. Um, You know, it's been a little while since I've talked to him, but I I still feel like I could just call him up over the phone and, and and just catch up and see how things are going. So very approachable guy. I, I like, I like that he prefers to stay behind the scenes in, in some some ways. <laughs> you know, he could probably show a little bit more, a little bit more um, gloss just just to just to give people a, a a taste of how good the company really is. But you yeah, know, he's very overall. I, yeah, he's very low key. He doesn't really want the attention. He wants the company and the employees to get the attention, which is admirable.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's kind of my plan. Um, I, I'd love to I'd love to meet the guy and pick his brains. So he seems like a really really smart guy, very humble, like I said, uh, down to earth and stuff. Um, so the next company I thought we'd spend a little time in talking about is um, Lucid. Have you have you spent any time with those guys at all? And what's your take on on Lucid?
2: Not, not as much. Not as much as some other companies. I have. I, I, I am in contact with them on a regular basis, and that reminds me I need to. I need to reach back out because I got an invitation to to sit down with their CEO. Um, That's I'm, I'm, Peter Rawlinson, right? Yes, I'm. I'm very hopeful that that they've sort of done the due diligence behind the scenes. You know what they showed in their in their launch, whenever it was September, maybe it was beginning of October, was very promising. And they've also done testing. They've got prototype vehicles that have been on the road they've you know so I think that they've got some very promising things do they have enough funding to really go the distance that's that's still a question mark but I'm encouraged that they've got a factory that they just finished I think phase one they did last yeah. week yeah I'm encouraged that they've they started producing their their vehicles in low volume I think that that's the case or at least they've got a several handfuls of of prototypes but i think that they're start they're about to go to production and the the thought and intent behind some of their technology the way that they go into detail about it is is very encouraging as well but the funding piece is is a really big factor that i do i certainly don't know enough about how much money do they have uh what what round of funding are they in um you know i I think i had heard that there's there's uh, some saudi backers which is you know i don't want to introduce politics into it but you know in many ways money is money and you can always find bad things about people who are investing Mm -hmm. into the company so do they do they have enough funding to go the distance that is my hope that they do and that they're not going to have an issue raising funds, um, it's similar to Rivian. It seemed like the Rivian just, just has, has had an unlimited check in terms of, or unlimited interest in terms of raising funds. I hope that Lucid's the same way.
0: Yeah. Um, well, if we contrast that, and, and we're not gonna spend any time on this company at all, but Faraday Future, they've had nothing but financial problems, empty promises, nothing to deliver, lots of show and lots of gloss, uh, lots of controversy with the, uh, with the founder of the company and uh, still don't have anything to show for it. Um, So yes, financing uh, for startups. I mean, it's easy to found a company, but to keep it going and get it into production takes an enormous amount of money. Uh, Elon's pretty fond of saying, I mean, the only companies (laughs) that haven't gone bankrupt are themselves and Ford. Uh, You know, the last time a new car company was actually successful in, in North America was Chrysler, and that was 1925. So it's monumentally hard to get a new car company off the ground um I think in some ways it's actually a little bit easier if you have an electric car company because you don't have all that baggage in the sense that you can't turn a GM or a Chrysler around or even a Ford around to start making EVs right off the ground. They're very well funded, they have lots of money, but they also have a large stable of products where they can cut losses across and so on and so forth. These new companies can't afford that. So they have to make sure the cars are great out out the door. And uh, they got to keep that money flowing. Even Tesla. I mean, look how long it took Tesla to get on solid financial ground, despite starting b- before everybody else. So yeah, I, I would I would agree with you on that. Um, I, f- I, go ahead.
2: I would make some assumptions there um, based on what they've said publicly and what they've sort of shown in terms of activity. I'd, I'd say that they're they're probably doing okay in terms of of, of funding. It's you know they, they don't have an unlimited bank account, but know, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm even hearing some things behind the scenes, some things that I think you'll you'll hear more about in in 2021 that make me think, yeah, okay, they they've got their stuff together. They're hiring in departments that that you probably wouldn't do if you didn't have any money. Um, you know, uh, uh, lobbying and governmental affairs, for example. That's that's one that, that you know, if you're if you're tightly strapped, you probably hmm. probably aren't spending a whole lot of money on. Um, but, but they're starting to put some people in positions that make me think that they've got, they've got enough funding to start to focus on some of these equally important things, but not directly contributing towards getting vehicles off the production line.
0: Now, I was actually kind of impressed that uh, Peter is running the company. Now, for those of you who don't know, Peter Rawlinson was the chief engineer uh, at Tesla when they were working on the Model S program. matter of fact, if you, if you Google... Peter Rawlinson Tesla on Google you'll see three different videos of him talking about the Model S during the beta stage um, and you'll see you know he, he knows what he's what he's doing um, great English guy and very low-key very well spoken to if you uh, if you watch the um, the, the Lucid presentation um, I remember when they first showed the Lucid Air I think it was around 2016 shortly after the Model 3 was announced uh, they had brought out a prototype they were down in California and um um, I thought it was very impressive. Again, at the time, it's just like, okay, can they survive? Well, so far, they seem to be okay at this point. They have a beautiful car, extremely well-designed. There's a lot of really neat things in there. It's got a beautiful windshield, similar to Model X. Uh, again, very high-end car. They're not making low-end cars. They're taking the Tesla approach. They're making the high-end and maybe working their way down. Uh, so you have to be fairly well-heeled. But they're also tackling a, start, a, set, a market segment, I think, in the EV business um, that's not been properly looked after and that's really the true luxury segment you know people sometimes erroneously call tesla luxury cars they're not they're premium cars and tesla likes to use that term premium implies you're paying a little extra it doesn't mean it's necessarily luxury tesla's idea of luxury is mid-century modern which is minimalism Uh, lucid has a beautiful interior they're going more of the traditional lots of little bling and stuff and uh, there's a market segment that likes that so anyways i think they do uh, i think i think they're going to do very well for the people that want to spend that kind of money who who may be looking at something like a model s but want a little more luxury until while tesla gets around updating the model s and who knows what they're going to do with that i have a pretty good idea they're going to update the interior but again they're not going to go bling they're going to go more model 3 that's my personal opinion. Um, any other questions for Sean before we move on to the next company, guys? <laughs> Ian's
3: frozen, no, I think, but I think we can still hear him talk. No, I'm so dying for the next company. I know.
0: Who it is. <laughs> Am I frozen I you, I, again? Yeah, I don't know. Come on, that's okay. You're can in hear, Canada. It's can expected. Okay. Yes, he's frozen. We can still hear you. That's okay. All right. Okay. All right. I know Sean's uh, Sean's not Hang here on. for for very long, but we have to um, we have to move on here. All right. How do we approach this one delicately?
1: Nikola?
0: (laughs) Nikola, yes. Um, Okay, so, you know, we have to address the big elephant in the room because there's been a lot of noise over the last, uh, well, year or so, but especially since this year uh, when Nicola Motors, um, horrible name if you ask me. I mean, really riding on the coattails of Tesla on that one. But anyways, went public, no less through a reverse merger, not the usual methodology of doing things, Uh, Founder of the company's Trevor Milton, who was, um, when I first saw him announce that truck, the hydrogen truck, I think it was around 2016, uh, two thoughts came to mind. One of them was, well, this is dumb, hydrogen. (laughs) There's no infrastructure for that. And second of all, who the hell is this guy? Um, He came across as really brash, not very very humble, kind of brash, young. And um, of course, you know, famously got on Twitter and tried to out Elon Elon in every shape, way and form. Love to drop names, um, managed to take the company public, raised a lot of money, but uh, essentially on a company that's pretty much vaporware at this point. And of course, back in September, if I remember correctly, or was it August when we had that scathing report by Hindenburg Research, who basically exposed a lot of fraud with this company. Now, Sean, whether you call it lucky or not, actually got an invite by Trevor Milton, along with a few of the key people in the Tesla community, to come down to their uh, factory. It's in Scottsdale. Uh, no, Phoenix, right? Okay. And uh, had a chance to meet with uh, Trevor and have a little sit down and a fireside chat with him, got to see uh, the building and what they're working on. So I thought it would be a good opportunity because he's the only guy that i know personally who's actually had some exposure to nikola like face to face so having seen you know what had happened and what had transpired and your experience before all this shit hit the fan with these guys i want your take on what your impressions were as like coming in as a tesla owner um what you saw and, of course, now after the repercussions of everything happened, like, what is your opinion now and what's going on? FineLab has a line of protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. FineLab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coding? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from an certified installer in your area. Finelab and Tesla, we were meant for each other.
2: Yeah, Nikola, as Trevor uh, calls it. <laughs> um, you know, what is a it? Lot is it Nicola or about- Nikola or Nikola? Well, he, he says Nikola, so I, I sort of feel obligated to, to say it the way the founder, the founder says it. You know, there's a lot of really odd things about the company. Going into it, I really wanted to give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, there were many people on Twitter that, that wanted the whole group that went there to go in guns blazing and you know call out every every wrong thing that that they thought the company was doing. And you know lo- looking back, I mean, it, they were very hospitable. They were very, very kind. Um you know I I I was I was pleasantly surprised by how approachable Trevor was. They they showed us around. They you know they let us ride in their their Nikola two <laughs> you know, it's it, it, it's a very difficult thing to talk about. The, the, there's there's just they don't have here. Here's, here's here's sort of like my my bottom line with the company. They've said a lot of things, but they haven't done a lot of things. And, you know, you, you could say that it's because they're a fraudulent company and they're intentionally misleading people, or you could say that they're just overly optimistic and, and over-promising and under-delivering. And, you know, the, the longer time that goes by between some of the things that, that Trevor has said and what's happened since, since the Hindenburg research, since they published their research, and some of the things that have not materialized, like the 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 GM and, and Nikola um I just, agreement I or checked, partnership. By the way, the badger is still on their website. Hmm. Even though it was canceled. Yeah. Hmm. Um there's just a lot that does not line up about the company. And the longer time that goes on, the more the more suspicious it makes the company look and you know you can you can infer and read into some things you know about about stock compensation and then trying to sort of push things out until till they get compensated and that that very well could be the case that that they're just trying to to kick the can down the down the road so that so that they can get paid the bottom line is they really haven't done much they keep talking about the Nikola tray in europe uh, they keep talking about the the, the refueling infrastructure that 's going to go in here in the u s they 've talked about the the, the the construction of their manufacturing facility that still to this day has not they haven 't done anything they 've moved a little bit of dirt but they they have not broken ground and so it's it, it's it 's like it 's like oh we we 're going to get to that oh it 's coming we 're about to start that oh it's it 's coming right away but then you don't see anything. And, and so it just is a very odd company. that Like when you, when you piece everything together, the company just does not materialize in too much. Like I, I would love for them to prove me wrong. I would love for them to prove everyone wrong. But today, all they have is a lot of talk and a lot of hot air.
0: Well, it was a bit of a red flag when uh, the moment they went public – Milton went and collected 70 million dollars worth of shares right away and bought himself that big ranch private jet and uh, this whole Hindenburg thing came down of course he was you know talking up the company ever since they went public and trying to you know drum up interest and money and stuff and and I thought it was interesting of course that uh, GM would have done this kind of letter of intent and and stuff and and now of course now that they're backing away from the whole thing you think a company like that would do a little bit more due diligence but at the end of the day this report comes out which of course if you haven't read it is is scathing and everything that's that they've put in there I mean some of the stuff that came down uh they made claims about you know the Nikola truck and I forget which one it was but uh the one? Uh, yeah, the one where it looked like, oh, it was driving under its own power. No, it wasn't. It was going down a low-grade hill. And yeah. people actually went out in the desert and actually found the location and proved that that's exactly what's going on. Insiders, there was lots of insider uh, leaks and stuff as to what was going on behind the scenes. But anyways, um, the report comes out, and then Milton steps down as, as CEO. And then he's dead. I mean, first of all, he says, well, we're going we're gonna to refute all these claims. They never did.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and then he steps down. And he's disappeared off the face of the planet. His ranch is for sale. Uh, probably the jet's for sale. So I don't know if he's lawyered up and they've told him to shut up or whatever the case may be. But um, yeah, it's like you got this entity now that's essentially headless. Um, and, I, and I don't, you know, a company like Nikola or any others really, I mean, you need a, you need a, a key person. Right, they they need an Elon type of personality, a Steve Jobs kind of guy, a figurehead of some form, really to, to be like that. And unfortunately, um, I mean, since Milton left, they have nothing. Uh, Not a single spokesperson has come forward, or anybody has come forward to talk about what's going on at the company. It's just like things went dead. And of course, not to mention what their stock price is doing right now. So. Anyways, I personally don't have a lot of faith. I always thought that it was a little shifty just the way he operated. And when I read that report, I was just like, "Holy cow, if this if any any bit of this is true, it just really paints him and the company in a very bad. Well, the company by by extension because it was all about Milton, right? Because if you really read what what was going on, it, he was a pretty Look, apparently, allegedly—I should use that term because <laughs> that's what Stephen Mark Ryan likes to do. Allegedly, um, he's a pretty shifty guy. So, I don't know, guys. <laughs> I want you to chime in on this thing. I, w- I want your take on 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 the whole Nikola thing and and where you think it's going. <sighs> well, I, I, oh, that I can't. I
3: can't possibly add anything to the story. I mean, it, the whole thing is so bizarre. It's, you know, I think it's the, the so England Kafkaesque. Were- you know. Yeah, thing, uh, sort of, the Hindenburg Report really sort of told this tale and really took the wrappers off it, as far as I was concerned. Like, the blinders were gone at that point. The one thing I just want to throw out there is I really want to congratulate Sean for how he comported himself in the lead-up to during that visit and the incredible amount of hate that came down on oh, you afterwards. Actually,
0: the whole... Like, Everybody on that thing got – there was a lot of stuff that went down behind the scenes.
3: Yeah, that was kind of a low point, you know, as far as I was concerned for the Tesla community. And I realized it was just a very small number of the community that that sort of went after you guys for for not – exactly like you're saying, for not going in guns blazing or not drawing blood. Um, But I've never seen you publicly ever lose it, and that's the closest I ever saw. And you still somehow kept it together. I was very impressed by that because, I mean, I couldn't believe what things – what people were saying. And you were just – being just normal, civil. I think you you asked a lot of the right questions. You handled it very professionally, and uh, for some reason, people held you out to dry for that. I, I think that's ridiculous.
0: You know, Sean holds it, us together, it, I think he's got a pretty good offic- uh, uh, his uh, his affinity for marshmallows. I think helps. Is a
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, I I, I did play around. I, I, did, I did sort of take advantage of that, and you know, to kind of poke the bear a little bit with uh, with with my intro and my recap to the visit, but. Um, it definitely sh- i saw an, a really ugly side of people and that was really disappointing it, it, pe- people people might wonder well why why weren't you you know harder on on nicola why didn't you call trevor out on his lies and um first of all it was very well scripted that day was was scripted from beginning to end mm. and it wasn't like there was just this open time frame for us to sit down and 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 just just fire away at will there were some times where we could ask questions but i felt in many ways like i was trying to insert the things that i really wanted to know as we were walking from you know one part of the part of the office to the other and 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 people got really upset that i didn't explicitly say that, that they're a fraudulent company. The important thing for me, and this is just in general with my personality, I think, it, I think it was really important for me to go in and just sort of look at things objectively. If I knew nothing, mm-hmm. just ask questions and try and learn. And, and really, you know, really, really come at it with, with a humble heart you know my plan was to go back again to 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 the to the office to to their office and sit down with Trevor and really then get get some pointed questions across that obviously never happened, and you know things sort of unraveled very quickly with the company but I, I, I you know as a human being receiving a lot of the the vitriol and and, and hatred. It certainly wore on me. And, you know, if you were flying the wall with some of the discussions that we were having with everyone who went, you know, some of the private conversations we were having, it, it, it definitely wore on everyone. And I had to, there were, there, there were some moments where I had to just delete, delete Twitter, because I wanted to sort of respond to every single critical and unfair mm-hmm. statement about me. And it, it was having a, it was having an impact on my, my psyche and my emotion. And I was not happy, and I was sad and depressed and you know, not sleeping very well because people were saying just really, really angry things. And um, anyway, so yeah, it was certainly a dark side to, to people on the internet. And like you can disagree. It's, just, it's co- completely normal to disagree. Mm-hmm. But when you start attacking someone, for, for one thing or another, because you disagree with them or because they're not in alignment, I think that's when it crosses the line. And in regards to this industry, the electric vehicle industry, it very much was EV shaming. You know, it's like it, it's tribalism. It's EV tribalism when, when, when you start to get so ugly and so vindictive and, and, and so mean that that you're 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 attacking someone for not holding the same opinion that you do it reminds me of of politics and religion oh, a little yeah. bit so i'm glad that we're past that and you know i did i did kind of i, I went my my recap video was probably not as hard as what what people wanted mm-hmm. and i did go back again and do another video and be a little bit more explicit that I'm, i don't support the company um and i don't support what what's what's going on um and i can always go back again and provide some additional clarity but people got really ugly and it was really sad yeah
0: i'm sorry to
1: hear that it is it's really a, a it, it's a, it's difficult to hear this coming from you cuz i i sort of relate to uh the emotional side of this right uh you know i'm i'm if you're familiar with the show i'm very opinionated but I have a lot of uh, good heart, good meaning behind what I say. Um, and it's usually coming from a place where I care for other people. And so sometimes people misconstrue the tenor in which I say something as being misguided or misdirected, when ideally it's coming from a place of, of, of good care and good consideration. And so, Sean, to your point, we are in a strange environment uh, since the advent of social media, mm-hmm. Where the very opinions that we may not in face-to-face interactions really say to someone who we do not know. We, you know, we may know someone's online Twitter handle, their Facebook page, and the latter, or and the like, rather. Um, but it doesn't mean we actually know them. And these online personas do not comport with who the people really are in life we know that many of us put an image on social media to show a very small sliver of our opinions, our interactions, our daily experiences and a lot of other stuff, you know, good 90% of our livelihood is not really put on for public show. So when you put out the content you do regarding Nicola and there are folks who very strongly opinionated, want to see the company fail, you know, see, see these leading news headlines and want to, you know, see a certain outcome. And they see folks like you who are very public facing, I think in some regard, and have a very different perspective. Like you said, going in open-minded, just to kind of see, I hear, I hear this course out here. I want to see, does that comport with what the company believes is going to happen? And so going in open-minded allows you to say, listen, I'm not going to listen to that noise. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear it directly from the horse's mouth and then formulate an opinion, hearing it from them directly. But so many folks don't want to hear that. They don't, they don't want to take the opportunity to learn that. And you can't spell evil without EV, right? Like, so to have that community en masse come out with such vitriol and negativity towards you or a company or anyone. I mean, we know there are the Elon supporters. We know there are Elon haters. There's not a lot of people in between. Like me, I'm in. I'm indifferent. Elon can be Elon. It doesn't affect my life every day. I'm not gonna immerse myself in Elon Twitter news all the time. What he tweets at three o'clock in the morning is his business, I don't care. Um, but there are some folks who make a living writing stories on every five word tweet that he puts out there. Hmm. And and the thing that I'm sort of taking these steps to do lately, and I'm sure you've done this, too. You mentioned that you sort of kind of signed off Twitter for a while. It's it's good for me to be so disconnected while everyone wants to be connected in this COVID environment, because I'm finding that a lot of people are resorting to social media to voice some discontent or some feeling about something going on when in my mind there's such greater things to appreciate and admire and take hold of right now our loved ones uh, those who are sick those who are working the front lines in the hospitals i mean those are the things that i would rather focus my time on than what some um, odd you know Dave m one six nine four three seven zero on Twitter has to say, right? All these bots and stuff. So it's you're you're right. there's there is, it's it's weird that we want to see there are people out there who want to see, let's just call them competitors of Tesla to fail. when and I, and I pulled the stat up as we're talking to the show tonight, the u s. Bureau of Labor Statistics. I'm not sure if you guys know this. This is fantastic stuff. About twenty percent of new businesses, fail within the first two years of being open across all industries, 45% within the first five years, and 65% within the first 10 years. Only 25% of new businesses survive 15 years or more. So even if you look at an automotive sector, which is tough to succeed, and Elon will tell you it's crazy to do that, the restaurant sector, Right now, it's normally really bad to make a restaurant survive for a long time. They're dying now. Movie theaters may soon be extinct, as far as we know it, with online social content. So, the sun's all thing up. It's, it's, it's just, we're in a very different place, but I, I would love to see more people put the phones down, maybe not tweet that tweet you wanna send out, maybe not be so negative. If you have a thought, keep it to yourself. Because um, if you really can't say it to someone's face, I don't think it's good to post it on social
0: media. Agreed. Um, just to add what Eric said, and just to tie it in with what Sean had experienced as far as the Tesla community was concerned about saying, "Well, you know, go, you know, guns blazing," as you say. And I think it really ties into the fact that the Tesla community, the ones that have been online, have been suffering under this Tesla q crowdsourced negativity for so long that a lot of us have developed this really hypersensitive BS detector. And when Nikola comes around, it just sets it off. And all of us are like, holy cow, these guys are trying to short a company that are trying to do a good thing. They're not fraudulent or whatever. And they're directing all this negative energy at this company when we've got a perfectly good company over here that's just so full of it. And like, I think people are just confused and they're upset and they see this as an opportunity to inflict that kind of behavior um, on something that they feel is, is justified. Now, I'm not saying it's justified. I'm just saying that that's just the way I read it, right? So much negativity on something that's supposed to be good, directed at the wrong place. And then we have a real live company that you should be shorting over here. I'm talking about the people that want to short stocks. You, you, I mean, how can you, how are you bugging us when you've got something like this over here? So I think a lot of the people are just, you know, they saw an opportunity. And the other thing too is, and just what Eric said, in, in a lot of cases, sometimes if you put a keyboard in front of somebody, and there's some relative anonymity on the internet, sometimes people's true colors really come out. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you can have a conversation with somebody and face to face. And boy, I tell you, 99% of what you're thinking would never come out of your mouth. But for some reason on the Internet, you can say whatever you want because there's no consequences. So I'm sorry, Sean, that you had to suffer through that. Uh, We had a whole bunch of, um, you know, a a real, um, you know, period of toxicity, if you will. And yeah, you're right. We're largely past that now. I hope to god that we don't have another recurrence of this stuff but you never know. So yeah, absolutely. With Ian said, you know, that uh, he held his composure and that's really good. And that's the Sean I know. He's very level-headed and stuff. So And right. I think and I
1: think too to add to that lastly is if the leaders of these companies weren't in the sphere, this media sphere so often because I mean, how often is the the you know, executives at Nissan or Honda like they're they're just other automakers, while there are some like Bob Lutz, um, you know, there are some who still find their way into the news. But if you're not, if 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 people aren't grabbing for a story all the time, then the armies that are on either side of this battle don't come out. You know, if Elon was just a very low-key executive, and he wasn't Elon as we know him, then it, Tesla, I think. By and large, will be very different in terms of how they're perceived by many in the atmosphere outside of the EV enthusiast. Whether you're a shorter or not, or whether you're an owner or not, I mean, there's just a very different response to that. And and uh, I, I think the demeanor in which they carry themselves is itself a story, and then everything trickles down from that. So that's it's, R- a lot. Of, a lot of it, I think, is par- is part of that too.
2: Rivian is a really great example. You know, Rivian and, and Nikola have yet to put vehicles into production. They're early stage startup, and they have a lot, both have a lot to prove, but the big difference between Trevor and RJ is is striking, it's night and day. Mm -hmm. You have one CEO that doesn't want to be in the limelight, that wants to let the product speak for itself, and then you have the other who tries to sort of stir up interest in the company and and get ahead of itself and and promise more than than what what they're prepared to deliver and Rivian has has stayed away for the most part from 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 any sort of controversy minus the minus the the trade secret stuff with hiring hiring uh, Tesla employees but I think that there's something to be said about just being quiet, focusing on building a great product, and letting that product speak for itself. And I, are, I mean, Rivian's not public, so maybe that, maybe that's a, a, where they're avoiding a lot of the, a lot of the scrutiny. But you know, I, I, I just don't hear very many people wish that Rivian would fail, like, like Nikola.
0: No, oh, absolutely. Like I said, uh, out of all the companies out there that I'd be interested in buying a product from, uh, it really would be Rivian at this point. Um, listen, uh, we're running short on time. I know you have to go. I just want to go through maybe a couple of questions here so that uh, we sure. can button this up a little bit. Um, someone on Twitter had asked us, uh, and this is directed at you, Sean, um, given the lithium supply chain, how confident are you that other automakers will not be supply constrained over the next few years?
2: It's, it's going to happen constraint as it stands right now is going to happen we already see there it. needs to there needs to be billions of dollars of investment into into the industry now today and that's going to require large multi-billion dollar companies not just tesla and not just battery makers like lg chem and and panasonic it's going to require traditional oems like ford and gm who talk a big game um, make some investments and, and accelerate it. The, the, the thing that you, you run into is you can't just, you can't just snap your fingers and then, and then, and then a mine appears, right? It takes many years of research and feasibility studies and permit approvals. This was, this was my one takeaway when I went to uh, Piedmont Lithium a couple of weeks ago. And I, I, I need to, I need to publish my, my first video of, of two from that. But that's the, I think that's the big takeaway is there needs to be some significant investment. Can it happen? Yes. With enough money, it can certainly happen. You're going to need governmental support. You're going to need, you're going to need governments to remove the red tape and accelerate the, the, the permitting process for things like mines. But if EVs continue to grow exponentially – and you have these other large companies buying in to the idea of producing electric vehicles over their, their internal combustion counterparts, um, there's going to need to be some significant investments. That's why I think that in 10 or 20 years from now, we'll look back and see what a, what a stroke of genius it was that Tesla did this battery day and, taught, and laid out their strategy Sorry about that. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Got a phone call. Um, so, so that that's that's why I think it, it. When we look back in ten to twenty years, Tesla will look like a stroke of genius when they laid out their 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 battery day plans, which is essentially their their master plan part three. It's a master plan plan part three of how they're going to get to the next phase and how it's emphasizing and focusing on the early stage of of batteries, the raw materials, I, I think that will be fundamental for companies who are really serious about producing electric vehicles and it's a really strong indicator that if an automaker intends on producing hundreds of thousands and millions of EVs, you just simply need to look at what sort of time and energy and money are they putting into the early supply chain of batteries.
0: Mm-hmm. I would agree with you 100 percent on that. Uh, the fundamental disconnect that I see with traditional auto, as far as going to EVs, is that they're not they're not taking ownership of the battery. Um, you know, if you look at the way cars are manufactured these days, they do design of the cars, they do final assembly, bodies, bodies, final assembly, and engine. Everything else is farmed out. Engines is where. They put a lot of R&D into, I mean, and we're talking mm-hmm. a little improvements here and there as far as efficiency is concerned, but that they make their own engines. GM makes their own engines. Ford makes their own engines. Honda does. Toyota does. None of that stuff is farmed out. That's all made in-house. And unless they take ownership of the battery, of actually making their own batteries and not buying them from another person, then they're going to be... They're going to be left behind in a lot of ways. So it would be interesting. And, and that's one thing that Tesla fundamentally understands. Yes, they had to partner with Panasonic at first. And now they are partnering you know, with LG Chem and uh, and the guys in China as well. Uh, but ultimately, they have to make their own cells. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Battery day was pretty important as far as that's concerned. Okay, one more question. We'll let you go. Do you have any thoughts on Neo and Xpeng?
2: I don't follow Chinese companies as closely as I do American and European um, so I don't really have much to add there, but I'd be curious to, to hear if you guys have any opinions about them.
0: I have an opinion. I, X-Peng. I get nothing. <laughs> X-Peng just strikes me as not very, not, not crazy innovative. Like they're very copycat. If you look at what they did on in the interior of the cars, they ripped off the Model S and the Model X interior. They did the Model X windshield thing. Um, even, I mean, at one point they stole trade secrets as far as Tesla's autopilot stuff is concerned. They just, they just try, they just strike me as a copycat ripoff company. Um, I hope it's not the case, but from what I've seen, it's just like, okay, these guys are skating where the puck used to be instead of doing their own thing. But I don't know. That's all I got. Crickets. <laughs> <laughs>
3: NEO could be interesting. I, I think that's the only one out of China right now that's I sort of keep an eye on because um, I think I think they're a little bit more advanced, and some of their ideas, some of the stuff they've shown is kind of cool. There's, I mean, there's a whole slew. You can get into hundreds of these tiny little startups that are over there because so many of them have been propped up by a huge amount of funding on the Chinese I government. I heard that part. there's
0: something like 500 electric yeah. car startup companies in China alone. 500. It's crazy. It's crazy. Well, it
3: they're just writing checks, right? That's like, oh, you want to start a car company? Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Well, Here none you go. of them are survive. Right. Exactly. But I mean, one or two might. You, you oh, never yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that, that pans out.
0: Well, I think that pretty much brings us to the end of the show because I know that uh, Sean has to get going. I want to say thank you, Sean, for joining us. We'll have to do this again, maybe under different circumstances. Um, since you're the guest on the show, you might as well go first and let everybody know how they can get a hold of you. You can plug whatever you want, YouTube channel floor is yours yeah
2: yeah yeah i've got a youtube channel where i talk about electric cars i try and spread out the love but inevitably what people want to hear is they want to hear me talk about tesla and <laughs> uh, people people care about that he's a real it, estate it, that, agent
0: yeah. too so if you're in the denver area reach out to me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right yeah yeah that's that that's that's actually an interesting story how these two interests of mine are converging into one it's a really odd thing but Strangely enough, people who watch the YouTube channel about electric cars end up reaching out to me here in Denver and asking for, for real estate help. So oh, that's um, That's a it's a it's an interesting and fun story. And of course, you know, buying an ele- owning an electric car, charging it at home, and adding solar there, there's a, there's a very natural complement to to both of those worlds that I'm in. Yeah, so I, I do real estate. If if you want to reach out to me, maybe Twitter's the best way. Sean M. Mitchell at Sean M. Mitchell. Um, I'm sure most people who are listening to this uh, have at least heard of who I am and and probably follow me on on Twitter
0: we'll put, we'll put links in the video in the show description so people can find you obviously yeah, so, yeah. yeah. thank you very much for thank you for having me time. on no problem and uh, yeah. gentlemen where can we find you uh, Eric if people want to have a chat with you first and foremost uh, now that we're in December
1: uh, stay safe this holiday season as my Chiron says down there please wear a mask uh, no excuses Um To all of our frontline health workers, thank you so much for everything you're doing. I know this is so difficult. Uh, Bless your hearts. I hope you all are remaining safe and your families are staying safe. Uh, Reminder, again, quickly, you can get the 2021 Tesla calendar great stocking stuffer, honestly. Tesla owner... Prospective Tesla owner, encourage them. Get the calendar. Goes to the uh, Rails to Trails Conservatory. Uh, again, our wonderful friend Ian Pavelko will promote this again shortly, but yet the uh, uh, Mad Hungarian Evolveware. I mean, his name is on the brand. That's sticking to the brand. Um, you can find me on Twitter. The handle is ECFIX. It's ECFIX. I'm largely not on Twitter anymore because you know what? Life is just kind of chaotic. But if you want to give me a follow, please do so. Uh But again, most importantly, take care of each other. And if we don't talk to you again before the holiday season, happy holidays to one and all. Be safe. Thank you.
3: Ian, your turn. And just to sort of link in, you'll see it in the show notes. But if you're looking for that calendar, the uh, web address for the store is thetescalendar, all one word. So T-H-E-T-E-S calendar, all one word, dot com. That's where you can order that. Awesome. And you can find me on Twitter. The handle is at Ian uh, If you have any questions about wheels, tires, anything EV related, whatever, throw them out there. Uh, DMs YTPMS are open. Model Y sensors. <laughs> Model Y. Don't get me started on Model Y TVMS, okay? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a sore spot. And, um, of course, on the Tesla Owners Online Forum. Um, if you have any question at all, God, there's not just me. There's an entire hive mind of people that can help you out. So be sure to, if you're not on there already, log yourself in, get yourself an avatar going, and you can find me there under the name Mad Hungarian. Uh, again, glad to be of any help that I can to the community. And uh, finally, uh, as mentioned, I have my little uh, Teespring store. If you go to Teespring, teespring.com and look up Mad Hungarian Evolveware, you'll find my uh, little collection of shirts, um, a portion of which the proceeds go to uh, various EV. Um, organizations
0: excellent well i guess that leaves me So you can follow me on twitter the handles tesla owners online and check out the forum tesla best place to be talking about tesla stuff if you have lots of questions i mean we have forty five thousand members or something like that anyways it's, it's crazy anyways uh that's it for today and i want to say thank you again sean for joining us on the show and uh, we'll have to do thank it you. again yes all right guys that's it we'll see you next time thanks for watching and listening thank okay you soon time. bye bonsoir tout le monde Wear your mask.